Once again, we have we have to begin with an apology for how long it's been. Yes, yes. Um, we we can't just apologize every time. I think people are just going to have to lump it. Yeah, unless unless um, the apology is our intro, and that's just the standard way that we open every episode. Is well, we had talked about ending every episode. Oh, that's with right. An that's apology. right. That's right. Apologies are very much so our brand. Why we shouldn't also begin? Yeah. yeah. Why not? This is Lincoln and Wells episode seven, right? Yeah, lucky number eleven. Um, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. To <laughs> <laughs> me, that's like the most irritating movie title of all time. It really is. It really is for a film that I don't not like. Although I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't want to. But it's like I don't think anyone saw it or has seen it in a while, and yet its title has somehow wormed its way yeah. into all yeah, of our yeah, consciousness. Yeah. I mean. I have been spending uh, quite a bit of my last two months with Josh Hartnett. So he's been on the brain, you know, um, I did my penny dreadful rewatch with my partner. Oh, that's what you meant. I thought you were sort of implying that you had actually been hanging out. Oh with Josh man, Hartnett. I wish, um, uh, which, you know, since, since you live in, in, uh, you know, were you going to say La La Land? Or, okay. <laughs> yeah, was, well, as the locals call it, La La right, Land. Right. Um, as we all love to call possible. it. Yeah, that's true. It's true. This is uh, this is episode seven. This is the first episode in a a post thirty to fifty feral hogs world. Oh shit! We have a lot to talk about. I'm not sure my life will ever get like better than reading so much about thirty to fifty feral hogs. Uh, <laughs> but but there's been a lot of like surfacing of hog facts in the in the wake of this, and I feel like it's very important that we we just understand. Uh, a lot about hogs. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of hog misinformation mm-hmm, out there mm-hmm. and, uh, and it, you know, it's possible this has done something to, uh, correct. Absolutely. The record absolutely. And that we all understand hogs a little better now. Did you see the picture of that hog slamming a Bud Light line? <laughs> I, at the Iowa State I just Fair? did earlier today. It is in fact the greatest image I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so it is good. majestic. He's just, it's a Bud Light lime in like the neon green, like um, aluminum yeah. bottle. <laughs> and it's just foaming out of his jaws and like down his whiskery <laughs> cheeks. And his eyes are kind of, I don't know, kind of rolling back in ecstasy, I would say. <laughs> no, you, you just know, like, that was his reward for winning some kind of hog race at the fair, right? Like, that is. <laughs> It's, it's like if you, win the, if you win the Indy 500, you, you have to drink a thing of milk. If yeah, you, if yeah, you yeah. win the, the Piggy 500 or something right, right. at the Iowa State oh. Fair, then you slam a Bud Light Lime. And... <laughs> I 
so should we go to Everything is Gothic? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cue the creepy music. So the headline is, Vatican Hunt for Emanuela Orlandi Uncovers Two Sets of Bones. Ooh. Um, have you ever heard of Emanuela Orlandi? I have not. I, I had not either. Uh, papal authorities seal off area inside Pontifical Teutonic College in search for miss- for girl missing since 1983. Oh, man. So, um, you know, it starts on kind of a sad note. There was a 15-year-old girl who uh, was the daughter of a Vatican employee, a layperson, who disappeared in 1983 and has never been found. Gotcha. It's become kind of a, you know, cult mystery about what, uh, what happened to her. Lots of conspiracy theories and things. Right, right. Anyway, one of Rome's most enduring mysteries, the disappearance of Emanuela Orlandi, took a new twist on Saturday when papal authorities announced that they had discovered two sets of bones under a stone manhole. Oh, man. On Thursday, the Vatican had pried open the tombs of two 19th century German princesses in the cemetery after this girl's family had received a tip that her remains might be buried there. But the tombs turned out to be completely empty. God. God. Creating yet another mystery over the whereabouts of the dead princesses. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's just... It's just bones all the way down. Um, The Vatican pledged further investigation... And uh, on Saturday, a spokesman said they had, quote, identified two ossuaries located under the pavement of an area inside the Pontifical Teutonic College covered by a manhole. Oh, that's really good. So they just keep finding more bones and then other bones that should be there are missing. We don't know what they might find under the Pontifical Teutonic College. Uh, What do you think that is? A, A School for German Popes. I mean, you have said the you you've taken away every other idea I had with that very <laughs> accurate one. Yes, um, I, so I guess it produced uh, Ratzinger. Was that his name? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I forget his pope. His We're pope talking about name Benedict the Sixteenth, right? Was John Ratzinger? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A graduate of of. The Pontifical Teutonic College and the Hitler Youth. Um, yes. We, so I was at Lucy's El Adobe the other day, um, which is a, a famous uh, restaurant in Los Angeles. Were you with Josh Hartnett or were you just meeting him there? Or It was it was just me this time. Josh Hartnett had to wait in the car. But, <laughs> he had to valet um, you? <laughs> it was... So it's 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 a place that like a lot of celebrities go to. And so there's like a wall of like famous guests that have all been autographed. Um, and there was one picture of uh, the Lucy of Lucy Zeladobe, the the founder, um, with um, Pope uh, John Paul II. And in the background of this picture, I wish I mean this is a very visual thing that I'm describing. So you just got to go with me, listeners. Uh, in the background of this picture, with with this woman meeting the Pope, is. Uh, future Pope John Ratzinger, right? Uh, then a cardinal dressed in his cardinal uh, like cap and gown, like leering out of the darkness in the center of it. Like he's clearly like he's just 
in the in the middle distance, but it's just his like bony skeleton face staring out of the blackness as this woman meets the Pope, and it's like oh, it's he had a very he had a very leery face, very he did unsettling, uh, and he lends himself to a sort of golem like existence. You know what? I think actually that is probably what's going on here with all these bones. Is it's oh yeah, it's that Pope Benedict the the sixteenth is is very bored in his uh, in his post papal days, and he's just having fun. He's scuttling through the yeah through the, the sewers and catacombs, yeah, just having a good time, moving dead German princesses yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe he's trying to solve the murder of that young woman, and he's just really bad at putting the bones back once he's done examining them. That that was, (laughs) that (laughs) fell very flat with at least one, one audience member. (laughs) No, no, I literally, I just couldn't think of anything to say. No, no, it's it's all good. Which is going to go down great at our live shows. Oh my God, our live shows are going to be amazing. Just as soon as we can get a good enough ad for stamps.horse, we'll too. I thought about maybe trying to cover our long, our long, you know, breaks between episodes by claiming that we'd been on kind of a triumphant live tour. Oh, I think that's good. And uh, yeah. thanking everyone who came out. Yeah. Next one is from Atlas Obscura, which is always a good, Absolutely. Uh, reliable font of gothic news. And it's about Huska Castle. You ever heard of it? I've not heard of Huska Castle. It's in Czechia. All right. Which is a part of Czechoslovakia? Uh, well, Czechoslovakia is not a thing. Oh, that's right. That's right. Slovakia is a thing. And the Czech Republic is a thing. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and the Czech Republic is now Czechia. Wait, really? When did that happen? I don't know, man. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. Wikipedia says it's also known by its short form name, Czechia. Let me tell you about Huska Castle because you're going to like this. Folklore says, folklore says this medieval fortress was plopped atop a portal to hell to trap the demons below. <laughs> All right. Now, in, in all honesty, I don't think you can plop a castle, but we'll just give them a little poetic license on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the second half of the 13th century, a mysterious Gothic castle was built. Yes. Like the passive voice there, too. It wasn't near any water, wasn't strategically important, and didn't seem to have anyone living in it. So why was this random fortress built? According to local legend, it was meant to trap demons. Oh, shit. Supposedly, a gate to hell opened on the craggy Czech mountain. The castle was constructed around the portal, and a chapel was plopped directly atop the hole to keep evil monsters from spilling out of the underworld and slipping into the human realm. This person really loves the term plopped, I just gotta say. Folklore says the supposed gate to hell was so deep no one could see the bottom of it. And those who did attempt to enter the dark orifice encountered the demonic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm a child, but, but you did say dark orifice. They encountered demonic human animal hybrids. Oh, God. People claim cars won't start near the castle and strange bleeding beasts still roam the area after dark. So, 
All right. Well, that's just the 30 to 50. That's just the, yeah, I was going to say, but like, also we need to figure out uh, something here. What is a bleeding beast? Like, is it, is it just a beast that bleeds or is it a specific type of beast that, that is defined by its hemophilia? Well, um, we know that they're strange bleeding beasts. Okay. So not, not, it's not your run of the mill bleeding beast. Uh, bleeding not your beast, garden yeah. variety right. creature of blood. In reality, the castle was built as an administrative center to oversee the management of royal estates. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Fuck that! No, it wasn't. That's stupid. So it goes. It goes from like. An Edgar Allan Poe story immediately into a Kafka story. Like it's right. We start out just, with with gothic monsters, and then it's just administrative nightmares. It swerves instantly from the the horrific to the banal. So um, I have opened up the Wikipedia page for this, um, and it, it says that. Um, uh, legend has it when the construction began, when construction began in the castle, all of the inmates that were sentenced to death were offered a pardon if they consented to be lowered by rope into the hole and report back. When the first person was lowered, he began screaming after a few seconds and pulled back to the surface. He looked as if he had aged 30 years. He had grown wrinkles and his hair had turned white. So that's, that's scary, but that might also be a metaphor for administrating royal estates. Oh, apparently it was featured on an episode of, um, Ghost Hunters International, a French team of paranormal investigators called RIP, uh, Recherches Investigations Paranormales, <laughs> investigated in 2013 in their episode, The Hellgate. Well, uh, does it say what they found? Uh, no, it just says they, oh, it says it was uh, definitely the basis for a Doctor Who graphic novel called Herald of Madness. There's a picture of the, then there's a picture of the quote unquote hunting lodge, which is, you need to see this picture. Um, look up Huska Castle, Atlas Obscura. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, I assume you're talking about the 50 cloned goat heads that are all hanging on one wall. The 30 to 50 feral goats that are... Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are clearly the bleeding beasts of legend. If you live in a 50-room home, you should not put all of your, like, taxidermied goat heads in one room. I feel like that's just basic interior decorating. They're just... They're clustered up there. It looks like they all... It looks like they're still alive, and they all sort of skittered up there, and they're kind of clustered like bats or something. It's not, like, meant to be a spooky photo. It's just like, yep, these are our goat heads, and it's just terrifying. I got something for you here. I got another like pair of of stories that that go together. First one, you may have heard about this. Um, the speech Nixon would have given if Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin had died on the moon. I did hear about this. Yes. Oh no, no, yeah. we need to talk about this forever. Yes. So you know, since the last time we recorded the fiftieth uh, anniversary of the moon landing, 
in quotes, past. Um, um, please, <laughs> given if we landed on are the you, moon, <laughs> are you outing yourself as a as a moon as landing a moon truther? truther? No, 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 not at all. God, I I was about to pretend to be one for a bit, and then I got really scared that anyone might believe it and <laughs> chickened out. And then um, Buzz Aldrin would threaten you uh, on Twitter because right? that's what he does. He, what was I saying? Okay, 50th anniversary of the moon landing came and went. It's actually on my birthday. Oh, um, well, happy happy moon landing. Uh, I turned 35, and uh, all I literally all I do now is go to Home Depot and compare different kinds of dirt. That actually sounds. I mean, so I confess that my last like week has been spent on boiling Funko Pops. Um, I've been making custom Funko Pops. Uh, which are like little plastic figurines. And in order to get their heads and their bodies um, separate so you can re- rearrange them, uh, you have to boil them. So I've been boiling dolls for, for like two weeks now. So you've been like regressing into a weird childlike state. And I've been like rapid aging into, into dad mode. I mean, that is, that is true. And uh, I will stand by that assessment. But I do want to ask you real quick, um, did you boil dolls as a child? Is that a big part of your childhood? Because it... <laughs> no, I mean, it I, mostly, I mostly boiled, you know, mice and squirrels. And things <laughs> right, like right. That. Of course. <laughs> uh, but anyway, moon landing. Anyway, so, uh, so Richard Nixon's speechwriter had a, a speech in the can ready to go titled in event of moon disaster (laughs) (laughs) it went like this fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace i mean that is a baller fucking line it is it's creepy it's It's like it's like a battlestar galactica speech because (laughs) fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. I mean, that sort of presupposes that they weren't blown to bits or um, torn apart by some savage lunar wind. Right. That maybe they even dug their own graves and then (laughs) just laid down in them. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's why it took us so long to get to the moon because we had to bring all those caskets just in case. And then Neil, Neil had to cover up buzz. And then lie down <laughs> and wait for the little moon beings to come and cover him up, I guess. These brave men, Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin, know that there is no hope for their recovery. That's cr- creepy because it also implies that they're still alive at the yeah. time this speech is being given. Which really gives a different uh, like spin on fate has ordained that these men will stay on the moon. Like, no. Right. No, you have ordained it. They're... they're <laughs> They're up there alive, and we're just we're just waiting for them to die. But we couldn't wait before delivering the speech. Do something, Dick! Come on, <laughs> use some of your dirty tricks and get our moon men down. But they also know that there is hope for mankind in their sacrifice, which again implies a weird thing that we're going to die if we don't visit the moon. Yeah, yeah. That you know, our hope for survival is tied to our ability to put some dudes on the moon. Mm-hmm. You know, what Nixon had in mind, maybe if he hadn't been impeached, he, he was going to start a moon colony or something. Absolutely. 
he had he had all those plans for for moon cancer being cured. I guess the moon cure for Earth cancer, because <laughs> if he just found the cure for moon cancer, the answer is don't go to the moon. But you know, yeah, I think taking taking the moon cure would have become you know like when they used to send uh, people with tuberculosis out west to yeah. uh, take the dry air right, or something. Right. Uh, the moon is the ultimate out the, west. The moon is the ultimate out west. I believe that's what the film Space Cowboys was about. I must have missed that one at the same time that I missed Lucky Number Slevin. That's not true. It's just about very, very elderly men dying in space. <laughs> These two men are laying down their lives in mankind's most noble goal, the search for truth and understanding. All right, fair enough. I can't quibble fair with enough, that Yeah, one. yeah. They will be mourned by their families and friends. They will be mourned by their nation. They will be mourned by the people of the world. They will be mourned by a Mother Earth that dared send two of her sons into the unknown. Oh, that's a little. It's a little, it's a little much. It's a little much, but like, there's a part of me. It's like, man, if they had died on the moon, Nixon would have been reelected because this speech would just—it's—it's it's perfection. I mean, it's very creepy, but like, can you can you just imagine the solemnity with which he would deliver it, like? I guess he did win re-election. Never mind. <laughs> Do you have a Nixon impression? Because if you want to finish this in a Nixon voice, I, I, I can. Let's see. Let's see. You, um, all right. Let's. Uh, you know. Can you? Here's my. Here, I'll finish up my bad Nixon here, voice. Why don't you give us the first line again <laughs> right. in in a Nixon voice? All right. All right. Fate has ordained that these men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. I love that. It's like, it's, it's okay. It's like 65%, 65% Nixon, 35% uh, like Looney Tunes. Yeah. 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 Just a little, a little bit of Wilfred Brimley yeah. in there as well. Yeah. yeah. Diabetes. In ancient days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. We talked about 3050 feral hogs. When's our episode about the diabetes remix? In ancient days. Men looked at the stars and saw their heroes in the constellations. You know, it's also a little bit, um, I'm realizing, um, Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood <laughs> and or um, uh, 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 Vincent D'Onofrio in, uh, in Daredevil as, mm-hmm. as, as the kingpin. Yep. It's, it's, it's all the same voice is what I'm realizing. <laughs> I only have one voice, and that is Vincent D'Onofrio's kingpin. <laughs> in modern times... We do much the same, but our heroes are epic men of flesh and blood. Again, that's okay. Now, okay, I really need to, creepy yeah. because um, he's saying, you know, in ancient days, men looked at the stars and saw their heroes in the constellations. In modern times, you look at the moon and you're going to see the actual bodies of Neil Armstrong and, and Buzz Aldrin. Oh, you know, it's it's like it's like that scene in The Lion King, except like no, that's just that is just a dead lion up there in the sky, yeah. and no one knows how it got there, but. Yeah. Others will follow and surely find their way home. Man's search will not be denied. But these men were the first, and they will remain the foremost in our hearts. <sighs> All right, finish it up. I mean, okay, that, that's fine, yeah. For every human... Sorry, <laughs> I'd start that wrong. For every human being who looks up at the moon in the nights to come will know that there is some corner of another world that is forever mankind. 
So that's rough. And then there are instructions that uh, before before he makes a statement, he should telephone each of the widows to be. It's so <laughs> creepy. It's so creepy. I'm about to refer to your husband's corpses as things we can admire in the sky. Here's why, ladies. I hope they brought a shovel. God, I really hope you like both of our Nixon impressions, because this episode's a lot of that. Then, then there are instructions that a clergyman should uh, commend their souls to the deepest of the deep. Oh. Oh, wow. Scary, man. That's really scary. God. God, where, where is it safe? Where, will it, where can we be buried where it's not a fucking shit show? Aldrin were spared, tardigrades are going to get to experience. Did you hear about this? <gasps> yes, yes, I did hear about this. I am also excited about this. So for those of you who haven't heard, scientists worried by thousands of tardigrades crash landing on the moon. Quote, we have no idea what can happen. God. Dear God. So um, basically what happened, there was a an unmanned Israeli um, private company spacecraft of some kind. It was supposed to, I think it was supposed to land on the moon, but it crashed because of course it did. And along with a bunch of, you know, scientific instruments and stuff, it was carrying, I don't know, like terrariums or something full of tardigrades. I mean, you can really just keep tardigrades anywhere you want because... Well, we'll find out. The Bereshit Lunar Lander mission on April 11th was historic, funded and deployed by Space IL. It was the first Israeli spacecraft to travel beyond Earth's orbit and the first private landing on the moon. Um, Unfortunately, things didn't go as planned. Seconds before it was supposed to land, it lost contact with the control room. By the time they got contact back, it had smeared itself all over the surface of the moon. On board was a lunar library kind of time capsule for the combined knowledge of human civilization as decided by this one company well here's what it contains samples of human dna mm-hmm. and 30 million pages of digital and analog data including a full copy of wikipedia oh wow an israeli flag a torah and a copy of the israeli declaration of independence so you'd be able to reconstruct israel from absolutely absolutely from uh, it also housed thousands of tardigrades, microscopic eight-legged animals, also known as water bears. Or or moss um, piglets. I'm not sure if you know the term moss piglet. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, again, with the 30 to 50 feral hogs. <laughs> well, to be honest, they look more like piglets than bears. They They're, do, they do. They've got eight knobby little arms with little claws on the end and then they've just, they have no face they just have a, a round sucker with i believe some kind of and bony just rasp kind of, just kind of uh, tubby round bags of goo yeah i mean they're, they're very much at the fulcrum of the cute horrifying uh like um yeah. divide uh, but they're microscopic little beasts. So they've crashed all over the moon and the thing is they're they're virtually indestructible. Um, yeah 
They have, they have the ability to survive for incredibly long periods without food or water, entering a dormant phase where their metabolic functions come to a complete stop. Um, and they had actually, like, dehydrated these ones so they could last even longer. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't know they'd been dehydrated. Archmission co-founder Nova Spivak, Spivak said he believed the chances that the tardigrades survived the crash are extremely high. Right, right, because they can survive anything. Having those creatures unmonitored on the moon's surface, even in suspended animation, has some scientists concerned. Especially because they have access to human DNA. <laughs> yeah. We have no idea how intelligent a tardigrade could be. Absolutely. By the time they've read all of Wikipedia, I mean, they've got to kill the time somehow, right? Right, right. I mean, and they're going to be... So, like, yeah, they're going to they're gonna find ways to genetically engineer themselves into men using human DNA, they're going to be religious because they've got that Torah there, um, and nothing kills them. Literally nothing kills them. They can survive in vacuum. They're going to consider themselves Israeli citizens. <laughs> right, right. NASA's Office of Planetary Protection, which I did not know that was a thing, and that's super cool, has established guidelines for how sterile planetary missions need to be. And they say uncontrolled biological contamination of the moon's surface is not scientifically ideal. (laughs) (laughs) No fucking shit. (laughs) Masters of understatement over there at OPP. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we have already answered many of the important questions about space. Like, can we kill dogs in space? Can we kill monkeys in space? We've never answered the question, can we fail to kill moss piglets in space? And so there was an important scientific, you know, bit of reasoning there. Can we kill the unkillable beast? <laughs> God, that's what's down in that pit uh, in, uh, in, in Huska Castle is just, just millions of moss piglets. Every human being who looks up at the moon in the nights to come will know that there is some corner of another world that is forever tardigrade kind. (laughs) The millions of water bears that gave their lives (laughs) to bring us this information. (laughs) What the fuck is a Bothan anyway? Bothans don't get nearly enough screen time. They really don't. They're just out there to do our dying for us. Right, right. Oh, man, the first image that came up when I Googled Star Wars Bothan is a picture of a Bothan sitting at a bar looking very sad, holding, like, a glass of whiskey. It's just a really... Yeah, all his friends are dead. All his friends are dead. They, they look like, um, like if Jim Henson tried to make a lion and didn't quite get there. That's a Bothan. So, cool. <laughs> Um, uh, you have anything else for me? I'm all, I'm also, uh, heard something about the president of Turkmenistan. Did you hear about this? Um, I did. I believe that was on, uh, there was a John Oliver segment on him this last weekend. Yeah. He was like widely reported to be dead and he's oh, not. Wait, that's not what um, I heard. Maybe this isn't the president of Turkmenistan. It says, uh, why did people think he was dead? <laughs> And then the the sort of sub bullet points are how the rumor mill killed off Turkmenistan's president. Amazing. Who is the Turkmenator? And mm-hmm. read more about Turkmenistan. Oh shit. 
Yeah, no. Okay, so the John Oliver thing had nothing to do with rumors of his death. It just had to do with his obsession with breaking Guinness World Records. Oh, well, here's, here's a picture of him. Oh, my God, this is amazing. His name is uh, Gurbanguly Berdimukhamedov. Right. And um, it's a picture of him. It says, President Berdimukhamedov, pictured last year, is known for his love of horses. Right. And he's sitting atop a, a beautiful gray horse. And he's wearing kind of a golden robe, embroidered robe. And he's got a round furry hat on, and he's holding a small puppy. Looks like possibly a Burmese mountain dog. Uh-huh. And he, he just looks wonderful and happy. Um, uh, j- just to be clear, though, Ben, he is someone who is a, uh, a horrible abuser of human rights. <laughs> so I do, I want you to, I mean, like, look. I can't believe that something like that would happen in a place like Turkmenistan. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but just listen to these. Listen to this. He even wrote a rap song about horses, despite making international headlines for falling off of one in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Mr. Bernie Mukamedov's presidency is officially called the era of might and happiness. Those are two things that always go together. State media outlets do not report on the country's chronic food shortages or the president's critics who disappear in prison. (laughs) (laughs) But they do publish adorable images of him with puppies on horses. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was extremely naive of me to look at this photo and not immediately realize that it was propaganda. I mean, look, look, has there ever been a photo of anyone on a horse that wasn't propaganda? Did you see the Mike Pence tweet from a while back? Like, there's a picture of him with a horse, and he's quoting Ronald Reagan, he says. Yeah. Oh, oh yes, yes. The Ronald yes, Reagan there's quote, nothing yeah. better for the inside of a man. <laughs> there's nothing better for the outside. Sorry, there's nothing better for the inside of a man than the outside of a horse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now do it in the Nixon voice. There's nothing better for the inside of a man than the outside of a horse. Uh, you know, part of what made that... Um, like what makes this uh, moon disaster speech so kind of rapturous to read is just the idea that anything the president would say would have like any kind of poetry, even if it's creepy and lacking in empathy. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We are living in a terrible, terrible world where our terrible leaders can't inspire us with moon death. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know if Space Force gets off the ground, like, there's going to be some moon deaths. This has been a good, a good time. This has been fun. Yeah. It's been episode seven of Lincoln and Wells. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got uh, some tour dates coming up for you in the next five to to 10 years. We're going to be in Jakarta. (laughs) Jakarta. (laughs) We're going to be in that, uh, that weird Pennsylvania township that got cut from the last episode. So nobody knows about it. Oh, right. The one that, the one that doesn't exist. Um, and, uh, 
and we're to be coming to uh, to Amish like uh, roadside inns all all over Lancaster County. So you know, <laughs> if you're hearing this on a on a phonograph being played by the tooth of a donkey, um, look out the window. Maybe you'll see us passing by in our in our buggy. Is it okay to make fun of the Amish? I guess like like my thought is like they'll never know. So that makes it okay. But another part of me feels like that's, that's a justification for all of humanity's worst behavior. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's okay to do it in sort of friendly spirits because, um, you know, the Amish are really very nice people who absolutely they're not causing climate change. Unlike the rest of us. Yeah. They help us solve some crimes when they witness them on occasion. Um, who knows how many bodies are hidden in their grain silos? I guess really I'm just describing plot points I remember from Witness very, very badly. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, so that does it for Lincoln and Wells. Um, you know, uh, next time, who knows what we'll, we'll do. This is an ever-evolving show. We might talk about the defenestrations of Prague, which is a Wikipedia page that came up when I was looking at Huska Castle that isn't super interesting, but does involve a lot of people in Prague being thrown out the window in the 17th century. I'm going to guess that we're not going to talk about that, but... But, who, but... God, I guess we ended there. Jesus Christ. This has been the, the Nixon and Nixon show. <laughs> I'm Tyler Dean. And I'm Ben Miller, and we will see you next time. 